Creative execution. What's your process? Creative execution. I'm your host, Brianna Elmore, and this is the Creative Conversations Podcast presented by One Choice Magazine. So today, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Creative Conversations Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Elmore. And today, you guys, we have someone so special to me personally, but also special to the creative world. Her name is Destiny Cole. And let me tell y'all, she is a writer, a showrunner, a director. She's a producer. She is an amazing cook. She she has amazing taste in Greek organizations. She is one of the sweetest people that you could ever meet. And she is just one of my very, 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 very good friends. Friends turn family, if you will. So without further ado, here is Destiny Cole. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it. I'm really happy to be here, Bree. I love you. Yes, I love you too. And I'm just, I'm not gonna get emotional on this one, I promise you. Uh, <laughs> I felt it welling up and it's gotta calm down because we have interviews to do. So. <laughs> So, Destiny, um, I know I met you in a showrunner, writer capacity, but can you give us a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah. Um, so, I, like Bree said, I am a writer, director, showrunner, producer. Um, I went to the University of Michigan, um, an undergrad majoring in film, television, and media, um, but I've been directing since my sophomore high school. I started off doing drama and plays, um, but I kind of always had a love for TV and movies, and so I knew that that's kind of like the scale that and the route that I wanted to go. Um, and so I've directed shorts, I've directed a couple music videos, um, but really, I'm really, really interested in being a show showrunner for television, and then also directing features in the future. I'm currently living in LA, I moved to LA last August from Detroit, Michigan, mm-hmm. um, and I work as a production assistant at Nickelodeon for a show called Danger Force. So I like what I'm doing right now. Listen, I feel like, first of all, I feel like if you working at Nickelodeon, first of all, let that sink in. She knew what she wanted to do. I admire that a lot. Like what I'm taking, I admire you knowing what you wanted to do in college and then actually leave that joint and do it. (laughs) I really wish I would have had that type of foresight to be able to, um, to major in what I wanted to, like, to understand, because I thought I majored in what I wanted to. Like, my parents weren't, they weren't like, you've got to do this. And I saw the people whose parents were like, no, you have to stay in one particular lane. Mine didn't do that, but it took me a long time to kind of circle back into the creative realm. And it's just like, even though I caught it still in my 20s, I'm still like, I wish I would have gotten that, um, that education uh, formally in college. That's real. It wasn't easy though. You know, mm-hmm. um, like I said, I wanted to be a director since like sophomore year of high school. Before that, I wanted to be an author. I've always wanted to do something creative and I've always loved writing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also just really good at school. You know, I was getting mm-hmm. straight A's. I was good. I was good at really, really good at math. And I was like a tutor in this math program all throughout high school. I was good at science. Um, and my mom and my dad, they supported me wanting to be a creative because they're both entrepreneurs. So mm-hmm. they just 
had that mindset of being like, it's okay to struggle to get to your dreams as long as you, you know you're working towards being happy. Um, but yeah. I had other family members who were like, you, I went to one of the top high schools in Detroit. They're like, and I was I got into University of Michigan, number one public university mm -hmm. in the country. And so they're like, you're gonna go to this great school and get a film degree. Like that's yeah. what you choose to do when you can go. They have like one of the best engineering schools. You can be an engineer, mm -hmm. um, do something else. And like always had other family members all throughout high school telling me, okay, you're going to move to California. Cause I always wanted to move to Cali. They're like, oh, mm -hmm. you're going to move to California and be a director. You need to have a backup plan because the film, like this industry is like one in a million, just like being mm -hmm. a singer or anything like that. It's one in, in, in their mind, it, it's one in a million and in the odds of it happening weren't that great. And you know, mm -hmm. even if they were that great, you're still gonna have to struggle a lot before you get there. And so I struggled with that a lot throughout high school. Like, I was like, maybe I'll be a psychiatrist or like, maybe I will go to be an engineer and just do film on the side. But it's just like, it was just something in me that just wouldn't let me commit to a plan B. Mm -hmm. um, you know, film was my plan A and I let it be my plan A. And I kind of like, that was one of my first things was just like, deciding to like that was one of my first real big decisions as an adult was deciding to like go against and people who I look up to and I admire and their advice is like near and dear to my heart and just like following what I felt was right and I never I tried even in college I tried to have like a double major I tried mm -hmm. to have like a minor something else other than film that could be my safety net but it mm -hmm. never fell through and so I just went ahead and just plowed right forward with the film so not that is, that's really dope, though, because I feel like at some juncture in the journey on creative stuff, I think that every creative, well, I don't want to say anything definitive. I feel like most creatives kind of experience something like that where it's like a battle of self, right? It's like, should I do something more stable? But really, what is stable? Because they can fire you at a they can fire you anywhere just saying like you know or you could just not get a job with one of those places and you did everything right mm -hmm. and um and it's still not necessarily fall fall in alignment to being successful because you know you I went a business route but then you see those glass ceilings and they're super clear. It's just like, oh, well, being a person of color, being a woman, being a, even being a man, being whatever, whatever your intersectionality is, whatever you identify as, that can become a barrier sometimes in those settings because they're used to one thing sometimes. And so I feel like that's such a hang up that a lot of people kind of get on. But I loved what you said about like, you didn't have a plan B because I feel like to be a creative, you can't really lean on a plan B. You know, if it's really going to work, you know what I'm saying? If it's really going to work and take off, you have to have not that, <laughs> like you have to believe in it. It's like, it can't be that easy and that safe for you to back up out of it because it's just like, well, why wouldn't I be safer? It's almost like, going out in the rain and you have an umbrella but choosing to, to just get wet like it's like no you can't who would just choose to get wet like but it's like you know the plan is like i'm gonna it's like either i'm running to the car with no hood on <laughs> or i'm gonna have this umbrella but either way i'm gonna get through this rain i don't know you no know, i kind of think of it like my hair is natural anyway you know what i'm yeah. saying like, if, yeah. I, if, if I was wearing a press or something like that, then I'd be more concerned about the rain. But I believe in myself 
and I know I'm talented. So my hair is natural anyway with the rain gonna do but make my curls pop more. So Exactly. That's literally I'm telling you, it's so freeing. Maybe if you're not natural, maybe y'all should try it because I do not care. I don't <laughs> Uh, but I feel like for me, I was like, because I was in a voice keyboard class from sixth grade to 12th grade, because my school was kind of like finding performing arts, like they had those type of classes. And so I was, my parents, they wouldn't let me go into like a math and science class because they were like, you've been doing very well in here. We want you to be exposed to this type of whatever so that was cool and I'm thankful that they did that but like when I graduated I was like I can't go into music I'm not about to I had that same thought and it wasn't necessarily them it was me I was like I'm fearful of being in that space and kind of like even being open to it and I think that with broadcast and uh, for us it would have been broadcast and cinematic arts at uh, Central Michigan and so I really wish I would have now, but I didn't at the time. I didn't even consider that. And But, like, looking back when I was growing up, I loved watching TV and movies. Like, that was my whole thing. And it's just, like, sometimes you really will find your creative lane in the stuff that you enjoy most. Like, I, I, I don't understand why we're hardwired to be like, I enjoy this so much. That cannot possibly be what I do for a living. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Somebody has to it. Somebody's doing it. My and why not? Why not you? I think that that's the, the biggest. Why not you? That's the biggest thing I can take. It's like, why, why not you? Why can't you? And I feel like that's the thing that I'm starting to incorporate into my mentality. Like, okay, why can't it be you? Mm-hmm. Okay, why can't you do this? Mm-hmm. If, it, if in most of the time that is rooted in fear so once you say it out loud it's kind of like that was dumb and now you can do it so it's like you know that was dumb and not to like down on yourself but just saying like that was not even that wasn't even something that was built in truth anyway the reason why you didn't want to do it 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 doesn't make any sense when you say it out loud so it kind of takes the sting out of it and it, it takes the weight off of it. It's like, okay, well, I can't use that as a viable reason to not pursue something anymore because that doesn't make any sense. I was just going to say that you're your own biggest critic and your own your, your own biggest enemy. You know, um, mm-hmm. a lot of things we want on the other side of fear. And I feel like a lot of people um, are just scared to fail because we're conditioned to believe that that's embarrassing or that that's not supposed to happen or that means that you're not good at something if you mess up or do it wrong but that's the only way that you can get better um and the more that you try and take those leaps of faith the more you'll start to believe in yourself and the more and the less you'll be fearful of you doing the things that you want to do because you believe that you can do anything so get great tips while networking with other creators across the world when you join the one choice magazine newsroom the newsroom is where editors contributors and freelancers for one choice magazine gather to tell stories exchange insider information and develop their expertise when you join the community you will get access to workshops deals on software creator tools and special episodes of the creative conversations podcast if you are a creator looking for a safe space to see the beauty and what you do and develop your talent join the one choice magazine newsroom you can follow on social media at one choice mag newsroom and sign up for the mailing list online at onechoicemag.com y'all 
Destiny is very good with that because, like, I have been doing production assistant thing uh, projects with her, and she is just so good to be under and learn from because she's like, you messed up, and y'all, I'd be like, oh my god, I'd be like, oh my god, like girl, what is wrong with you? Or I'll be over here like, I am. I just feel like I am embarrassing myself or just being, you know, being a screw up on the, on the situation. And she's just like, it's okay. She was like, she's just like, it's fine. We're going to move on. And, and it all, 100% of the time it works out, but she's never like, she's never like, how could you do that? Da, da, da. And I'm sure she had situations where she's like, what the heck? But like, she never like makes you feel bad if you mess up. And so she actually really does live by that. So she's like, it's okay to mess up because now you won't do that no more. Or if you do it anymore, you'll be way more cognizant to not do it <laughs> as many times. Like, okay, it's like, I'm, I'm going to keep trying to not do it until that's second nature. And she's done that at, in a writing capacity and a production assistant capacity. Like she's always like, pulling on you but doing it with kindness and with love and giving like correction and good suggestions so that you can grow ultimately so she actually does that I know a lot of people like yeah just keep failing until you win it but then they be popping off if you really mess up and like (laughs) that's not that's not destiny style at all and like how did you develop that way about yourself like I understand you have to be a certain person but you're so like patient in, in those situations where it feels like do, 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 we don't have time for patience, like you're so patient. Did you experience um, a situation where somebody wasn't and now you're giving the patience you wish you received? Or are you just patient and you just realize people learn like that better? They learn better when you are kinder in your correction. I think it's a combination of life experiences, honestly, um, coupled with therapy. <laughs> um, I think that... Um, I'm the oldest of six kids. And Mm -hmm. when you have a big family, like, things don't just be, like, moving. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not always your turn. It's not always your time. Um, Mm -hmm. So just learning, um, like, when it, like, learning to maneuver when is a good time, when it's not a good time. And then I'm just personally not a person that gets upset easily. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't, I let things roll. You know what I'm saying? Um, Because I, you know, I mean, I also used to get bullied as a kid. You know what I'm saying? You just got to learn to like not let things affect you. And I've also learned from, you know, past experiences when you do get flustered, when you do get upset, it doesn't fix anything. You know what I'm saying? think clearly um the situation is not getting resolved people are less likely to want to help you or work with you again um if you just like and it's not a way to solve the problem you know what i'm saying you're just venting Mm -hmm. your emotions and especially when you're trying to get something done especially on set and you're working with these people yelling at them is going to make most of the time it makes people shut down you know And then they don't learn from it. You're just yelling at them about what they did wrong. You're not telling them what they did right. You're not telling them what they could have done differently. And I think that's really, really important. People, a lot of people in power always focus on what you did wrong, 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 wrong. And if mm-hmm. you never tell the person that you're working with or that's working under you how they could have done something differently, what thought process you would have had, they're gonna they're gonna continue to mess up. They're gonna continue to make that mistake. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You have to take any it's okay to get upset if it's happened over and over and over and over again and they're just disregarding your advice. Mm-hmm. 
if somebody just is not knowledgeable about what it is that happened and they made an honest and true mistake and you give them that advice and they take it, then it just works better. And they, they, they've learned they're more likely to want to work with you again. And then on set, you want the energy to be just happy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Good. You want everybody to be vibing. If you run around yelling like a dictator, like nobody, everybody's gonna hate you. You know, the project's not gonna be good. People are gonna be at their best selves to create magic. You know, mm -hmm. um, so like I said, just a mixture of me having siblings and just learning how to navigate them and their emotions, um, and then therapy too, um, because I'm a perfectionist and so I'm very very hard on myself and doesn't I don't allow myself to make mistakes and just working with my therapist and that's like one of our one of our one of our biggest things this past year is um, me unlearning that behavior and allowing myself to make mistakes and not feeling like it's the end of the world when I do because I since I know that feeling I know how other people feel and so I can yeah. kind of help navigate that too like I understand what you're going through because I feel the same way about myself but mm -hmm. I know it's not beneficial and it's not yeah. going to do in the long run so yeah it's super counterproductive and I think that that is I don't know I don't know if that's like I always, I don't want to put everything on being a black woman or not, but like, I don't know if that's a generational thing right now or whatever, but you deal with that perfectionist complex. It's like, I feel like if I'm not all the way on, then I'm trash. And that's like, and then you downed yourself and then you start downing yourself and, and doubting mm -hmm. yourself as well. And it's just kind of like, that is not going to help you get to this point. But it's like, I think that the magic place exists where you start using that like you use your imperfection to pour into your project you know what I'm saying because I feel like that's when you get to the authenticity of the project as well because humans are flawed humans are not perfect and that's okay and I feel like when we all can see like oh my god you do this too like you know what I'm saying like um I felt like for me I I don't know if you can see it, but Beyonce is on my wall. Love Beyonce. Down. Okay, but when she made Lemonade, that humanized her a lot. And I know that she's a person, but everybody doesn't see her as this person. We see her as more of, like, the entity that is Beyonce. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. It's, yes, the icon. So we're not really thinking, like, oh, she don't deal with craziness that we do you know what I mean or you might see slips here and there you know everybody saw the elevator situation but we like we don't know what happened you know we don't know and then of course you're gonna blind support her <laughs> but like you know it just kind of like her actually saying like hey I went through x y and z and I got through it and now I'm gonna tell you about it but it was important for her to go through that and and deal with it but that endears people like okay wow I might have went through that and so that's why those that project kind of probably for me hits differently just because Connected. you know just yeah just off of that strength so I think that when you're creating and creating spaces for stuff it's important to, to capitalize on like the things that humanize us which is in turn the imperfections that we'd rather people to not see people can't relate to being perfect but they can relate yeah you know the struggles that they've had in their lives and I feel like that's what makes the best art is when somebody is able to connect and relate to it and that's when people that's how you build a fan base you know that's how you build a following is people like 
I connect with her. Either it's like I aspire to be like this or it's mm-hmm. like I've been through this so I know we have a shared experience and people mm-hmm. love that. Yeah, and I think as a creative, it's like, it's so, it's like, it's such a broad thing to say because a lot of the times you can't just peg a creative as one thing. Usually they have other talents and things that they contribute that contribute to their art. So we have multi hyphenates everywhere. And I feel like with it being so like, it's not oversaturated because I feel like everybody has something different to offer just because of that. Mm -hmm. However, I feel like you stepping into your truth and being honest is really what's going to set you apart. Honestly, because there's so many people that identify as creative, but it's only going to be one Destiny Cole, period. (laughs) So it's like, how can we, yeah, how can we do that? You you can't market another person. You can only capitalize on being yourself. So it's like, you might as well lean into that. That's and that's literally like you said, that's like the best way for you to set yourself apart because nobody has your lived experiences. They only have theirs. Nobody has your your you know, your your identities and have experienced them in the way that you do. Like Brianna, you're a black woman, I'm a black woman, but you we we grew up differently. You know what I'm saying? We mm-hmm. have different dynamics you know what I'm saying we've experienced different things we went to different schools we lived Mm -hmm. in different places like when that happens it just makes for a totally different experience like I feel like and you know this that most of our friend group out here is from Michigan and it's just because we connect on that level it's just like we're from Michigan we know these same things we have these same values and not even just from Michigan but from like very proximate like cities in Michigan Mm -hmm. you know um, and it's like, I find it's harder, like not harder, but yeah, no, it's harder to relate to people out here. Not that it's impossible, but it's just different yeah. because they don't have the same knowledge or experiences or know the same places that I do mm-hmm. or know the same people. Like we know people who, who know people who know both of us, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's just different. Um, and we have different, we have like, I feel like, especially like when you are like a transplant in another city. It's so important to get people that understand you, understand like terminology that you understand. Like you don't even realize some things like, for example, soda versus pop. It's pop. It's okay. It's pop. It's pop. It's pop. pop. So like, (laughs) so like stuff like that. Like I don't have to think, I don't have to explain what I'm saying. Um, Mm -hmm. Although it's good to have like the, influence from different places and stuff and of course you're going to make friends from different places especially being somewhere like LA where you got people from everywhere Mm -hmm. all over the world but it's it's something that feels again familial but also familiar especially when you're away from home you're away from everything that you know and that you grew up with so I love being able to talk to all of our Michigan friends and be like, oh yeah, I'm from Saginaw. And they know what I'm talking about. I don't have to explain where Saginaw is. Y'all know what Saginaw is. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, it's like Detroit. Cause like, for, if anybody didn't know, for black people in Michigan, it's Detroit, Saginaw, Flint, uh, Grand Rapids, and Lansing. That's mm-hmm. about it. It might You might get like Muskegon, definitely Muskegon. Or you know, the uh, border, like Metro Detroit area, people be claiming yes. those 
Springfield or Bloomfield. Or, These are the bigger places, yes. <laughs> in, in Detroit, they want to know. They want to know your direct address. If you say you're from Detroit, you may not just be like, oh, I'm from Detroit. They want to know what side, okay? And if you're not one or two sides, then you're from another the city. Summer. Like, it's like, yes. <laughs> Representation in Michigan for what it is that I wanted to do. Um, and so it was like, okay, I want to be this thing. And it seems very far fetched. And I don't know how to get there. You know, like mm -hmm. I have no idea. Um, so it was really just like when I was in college, just like trying to find my avenue on how to get there, you know, asking people, you know, what they had done before, you know, my family, like grasping at straws, trying to find people that they knew who were kind of similar related in the industry. And really what you find out is that everybody gets to where they are in a different way at a different time. And it's really a lot of it is just luck, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And so I was having a really hard time trying to navigate 
how to become a film writer and director. Like in film school, they teach you how to do the technical stuff, you know, how to format a screenplay, how to work a camera, you know, but they don't teach you what the industry is, how to get into the industry. All these minds didn't. Um, mm-hmm. I had an internship my summer after my junior year um, working at TV One and Silver Springs. And I think, because um, I, I, at the time, I didn't, I know I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to be a director, um, but I didn't know what that would look like. And I was working under this producer and he was like one of the main producers at TV One. And, you know, I watched what he would do and like I would come to a cubicle every day. And like, I just, after that internship, I really enjoyed it. I got to like read scripts that people sent in and like give him my ideas. I would read, I would screen them, you know, um, all the pitch decks that they would get, all the scripts they would get. And you have to kind of think of a mindset, like, does this, not if it's good or not good, but does this work for TV one and their audience? Would this, would this be something that this would cater to their audience and their audience would want to see? And we would pitch in production meetings once a week, like our ideas and which ones we thought were good. And then they might start considering them to actually take them on as movies or TV shows. Um, but I hated coming to a cubicle, a cubicle every day. I hated working at nine to five. Um, it was cool to like, you know, work on the different editing cuts of the movie and it was cool to do those things. But I, that's when I knew, okay, Destiny, you need to be on set. Like being yeah. a producer right away, maybe like 20 years down the line, I could be a producer, but I can't, I'm the type of person, like I want my day to day to be different. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, want, I don't want to sit at a desk all day. Um, so that helped me decide a little bit of like what it is that I wanted to do. Um, and then just, man, I feel like, this time that we're in now was really good because if I was 10 years older I don't think I would have had the same mindset because just looking like I said there's just not a lot of people doing what it is that I want to do but as I was like in school a lot of them came out like Ava DuVernay or um, Courtney Kemp or Shonda Rhimes I was like Mm -hmm. that's how I found out what a showrunner was you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying and like seeing their success and like seeing what it is that they do was kind of like how I kind of tried to decide what it is that I wanted to do. I'm like, okay, that seems really cool. That seems really dope. And I kind of started to like, you know, mirror my work similar to theirs, but then it was also wanting to see more black faces on the TV screen. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But not cli- And I feel like we get such cliche characters, like their characters, not cliche, but on like black shows outside of them, like just such cliche characters and they have the same plot. And I'm just like, yeah. I want some diversity and it's getting better and better now. You know what I'm saying? But that's kind of like the lane that I chose. And it's like, I just want to make stuff that I can relate to. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I can see myself in and that would make other people realize that this is possible too for them. So mm-hmm. I agree because we get put in a box. Either we're going to be the sassy sidekick. We're going to be the complete B word. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be just super strong, resilient, or we're going to be a like black savior. And it's just kind of like, and, or we again, and then if you're the black savior, you have to still play the background for somebody else to push somebody else's story along, you know. And it's just kind of like it's draining. And although we can be those things, people are so much more multi faceted than that, you know. And it's just kind of like, 
or you're gonna have like a bougie character you're gonna have like the free to be you and me character you're gonna have black power character. yeah black power character you're gonna have the straight and narrow person that the suburban person which i didn't have people from suburbs and they ain't like they don't like, like that either yeah you know or you need to go ahead a wild person or the you know the person that's like oh my god i can't believe she said that like that person and again those are all fun and i do think that they play an element but then sometimes um like some of my favorite shows it's just like i see myself as a hybrid between two characters like um like for living single they had that that again this is older and it's a classic However, I see myself as more like a, a hybrid between Khadijah and Sinclair mm-hmm. as opposed to just one definitively. You know what I'm saying? Like, I see yeah. that. And I think those type of characters, it's time to see and build those because it's just like you can be flighty and smart. <laughs> you can't because people have crazy yeah. moments or, you know what I'm saying? Or you can be funny and serious. You know, I feel like it's just, it's all about character development, what I'm finding. And even like now, since I've started embracing and writing uh, screenwriting, I kind of like watch TV differently. Mm-hmm. I don't watch it the same way or be like, dang, I wish they would get more into this character's story. Or mm-hmm. dang, like this is this is such a good character. I wish we could flesh this person out a little bit more so that we can understand. Okay. Wait, but... Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, there was a conversation that I had with one of my film friends that just have, oh, like, it's always, like, stuck with me, and it's, mm-hmm. like, how many movies have you seen about a white man and his dog? How many are there? There's oh. a million. There's a million. There are, a lot. there are a lot. Why can't we just have Black movies like that, where it's just Black people living life? Black, black man and his dog, you know, a Black family yeah. just trip you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. why does it always have to be related to our blackness and our struggle you know what I'm saying yeah. like, white people don't have that same burden white creatives don't have that same burden because what struggle do they have to like you know monetize or like showing in on tv and stuff like that it's just like we have regular lives that aren't necessarily related to that all the time and I want to tell those stories too what about yeah. a black because uh, like you got so many <laughs> There's so many. I'm like, every time I see one coming out in the theater, I'm like, another movie about a white man and his dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, that always just set with me. I don't know. That, that's true, though. Because And the thing is, and then, like, people are eating it up every time. It's not, it's such a quick formula. Shed a tear. Yes. Listen, my whole household, we watched that, and everybody just went on to their room. It was like, okay, I'm going to need a minute. I'm going to need a second. You know, and then, like, John Wick got it great you know what i'm saying so same conversation anyway and um yeah i think that's the kind of stuff like i want to do that i want to create that type of stuff too because it's going to humanize us you know we're already we already are humanized like let make no mistake but like humanize us in that like people won't come up to us and be like oh no you didn't girlfriend like no i didn't like, you know, so it's like, it's going to humanize us to be ourselves and hopefully empower someone along the way to be themselves as well, because that's, that's the only way that we're going to be able to kind of live more freely. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't want to see, personally, I don't want to see, 
so to an extent you do have to share some black traumas but like i'm over that i don't watch stuff like that personally i don't i don't so like i don't like to be you know traumatized again but i did somebody did say like sometimes you do need to capture some of it to be able to understand and get a cohesive story so that we can understand like the victory and how we live afterwards but like you know I ain't gotta see nothing about no slavery personally. And I'm not I'm not denying slavery. I'm saying like it happened and but I don't wanna have to I feel like black people we deserve to get a break in our content. We have to live with the ramifications of slavery every day. I don't wanna also consume it in what I'm watching. Like people don't wanna see COVID on TV. They like No, we do not without TV. They don't need to be wearing masks. COVID never happened, like we gotta live this every day. We're not trying to see this because TV and movies are escape. It's people's escapes. It's their mm-hmm. fantasy. It's their you know the lives they want to live, the lives they want to see. Like they don't want to think about that all the time, twenty four seven. That's why a lot of shows have chosen to not um, bring we in just get right past it post COVID life. Post or or like it never happened in general. You know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Thing. some shows are doing like post-covid and i like it i like that too but some of them are just like covid never happened it was never a thing it was never it wasn't a thing that these characters experienced and because it's all fiction we have that opportunity to do that like even when i was when i was starting to come up with the idea for like my show like that was something me and the producers talked about we were like is this gonna be post-COVID, are they going to be in COVID? Because mm-hmm. the premise of the show came from me and my roommates moving out here and a lot, a lot of things that we dealt with was COVID related because it was mid-COVID when we moved to California. So then it was like, it would be cool to have this in the story, but it became too much. You know what I'm saying? Nobody wants to see that. So, mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's just like, I think that that's what's so special about being able to be a writer and create these different stories because um it's like although it's a lot of responsibility to tell the stories properly and give everything it's just due it is also very freeing to be able to tell a story without bounds you know what I'm saying and we can push the limits in ways that we may not and I think that for me it empowers me to live a little bit more fearlessly in real life because it's like if I'm creating this character that is like rambunctiously themselves and it's just like, and it's undeniable that they are not going to really push the needle forward or backwards if it's not on their own terms. Then why do I settle for that in my real life? Absolutely. So. Like I said, I've got something I've been working on being okay with making mistakes. Cause like I struggle with making decisions for myself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So because of that fear and just, just telling yourself that it's going to be okay because life is going to go on. You know what I'm saying? You're going to learn from your mistake or it's not going to be a mistake. Either way, you're going to gain something and it is what it is, you know? Are you looking for a lifestyle magazine that challenges your mindset and spirit? Do you need recipes to help you eat healthier and fitness tips that target your body type and needs? Check out One Choice Magazine, your trusted resource for wellness, personal growth, and spiritual development. Read articles that educate, uplift, and inspire readers to live well. Get the latest issue at onechoicemag.com. I want to know, like, so as a showrunner, so for people who don't know what a showrunner is, can you break down what it is? 
Yeah, so like the showrunner is basically the person who comes up with the concept of a TV show and they are the main writer and produ- executive producer for that show. Most of the ideas for the show have to go through them to approve. Like most, they come up with most of the stuff, of course, themselves. Um, but of course, the, most people have a writer's room and other EPs and writers that they trust and they bring ideas and they pitch it. But the showrunner gets the last final say, like it's their show ultimately, so. Mm-hmm. And so that's the head hunch, okay. Um, Courtney Kemp, Kemp, showrunner of Power. Um, Ava, not Ava, but um, Shonda Rhimes, she was for Grey's Anatomy, you know, um, Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder, like. Prentice Penny for Insecure. Um, And it was Ben Corey Jones for the show 20s or Boomerang. Boomerang is Boomerang. So, yeah, so that's like. The the showrunner is the person that's making all the decisions, putting out all the fires, <laughs> understanding <laughs> what's going on on all of them, but then also making sure the direction of the production is going in the right direction. Make sure that you know you characters because they're there. Yeah, characters. and making sure we're staying on track with time. Making mm-hmm. sure that everybody is where they're supposed to be at while you're all over the place. As well. <laughs> So in doing that, what do you feel like, so with every jurisdiction of creativity that you um, associate with, so showrunner, producer, director, writer, um, did I miss one? No, that's okay. it. Okay, so with all those different, with all those different roles that you play, what is the most difficult and most rewarding part of each, so for each one? Ooh, um, so for show running, I feel like the most difficult part is being open to others' ideas. Because like I said, it's like it, the project is your baby. You know what I'm saying? You came up with it. You came up with this concept, you know, but being able to, and that's, I feel like that's with writing too, because mm-hmm. it's like, it's still yours. It's your idea. You created it. Um, being able to let go of your original idea and being open to other people's ideas because two heads, I, I firmly believe like two heads are better than one and you have to mm-hmm. be open to other people's ideas that could make it better. Just because it's yours doesn't mean that it's 100% the best route to go. Um, and so I think that was like my, like being able to just like let go of like, no, this is how I wanted it. This is how I pictured it. And being able to actually listen to other people's ideas and like what they thought um, would be good. And, but also choosing when to say no, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, no, that isn't the the way I want to go. Like that, you know what I'm saying? That I feel like it's the hardest, but like the most rewarding is definitely seeing the final product. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing your vision, your baby, like come to life, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then a real thing and like a thing that people like and are excited about or enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I feel like do it. I want people to enjoy my content. I want people to, you know, want to watch it week after week. Like I want a show like Scandal, like when people was parked in front of the TV every Thursday. Like oh. I miss it. Like I can't do anything. Scandals. That was me. That was literally me. Okay. My, listen, I was in for I was in college. So me and my roommate, we were like lights out. Door locked. 
TV only thing on. <laughs> it was just like we we discussed what just happened on commercial breaks only. Like <laughs> after that, shut it down, watch. And then it was just like after we'd be like, girl. Like it was just I, it, but but life stopped for an hour on Thursdays. Yeah. Truly. 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 Like that. That's my dream. Like, I mean, I know that, like, that's not how, that's not how TV is, like, set up anymore, you know. There are still some shows that come on weekly that people park in front of the TV. Insecure, for instance. Like, it come on that's every Sunday. And I, I don't always watch it on Sunday. But. Right. I, not this, not this last season. I honestly have been more forgetful about it. <laughs> it's just, I don't know if it's just the times that we're in right now. Or it's just, like, kind of, because it's, like, we're, like, a. I guess pandemic hybrid because <laughs> like last year it was like we in the house we locked we need the season sis. Mm-hmm. this year it's like we in the house but not all the time <laughs> like so it's just like I will forget sometimes I'll be forgetting the days too so there's that <laughs> that it's on it's like I said it's different because it's on streaming now so I don't have to watch it on the Sunday you had to watch Scandal or record it or you was gonna miss it or you could watch it on, on demand if you had on demand but that was but, the whole thing then you had to add that package like, so it's a whole balance and act yeah I found myself, don't tell nobody i'll be watching insecure on mondays at work or maybe tuesdays fine doing nothing you know Sorry. i might watch it on my phone or something like that um but that's what i want people to be live tweeting about my my show i just want people to be engaged with it um and that i feel like that's the most rewarding for all like for all of the the producer, the writer, the director, the showrunner, it's just people connecting with my work because that means that I did something right. Um, but challenging for directors, just like director, you're managing everybody. You know what I'm saying? But you're also, if you're not the writer, you're also trying to keep the writer's vision alive, but while meshing it with your vision. Um, mm-hmm also like managing all these other people who also have these visions because the cinematographer has their own vision different yeah. stories and you have to collaborate with them to come up to one agreement the writer has one way that they viewed it when they wrote it and you have a way that you viewed it when you read it and so then mm-hmm. you guys connect on like what it is that you guys want to see come onto the screen and then the producer is like okay we have the money for this so you guys got to yeah. take several notches we can't do all of that so then collaborating mm-hmm. with the producer trying to find the money that it is that you want it's just like you're a, a lot of being a director or a lot of being a creative is a collaborator which is also like why I find it so important to remain calm and like listen to people because you it's it's, it's if you don't like people working on a set is not where you should be you know what I'm saying because yeah. it's nothing but talking with people it's hundreds of people on crew sets, like hundreds, like you have to be able to communicate, you have to be able to listen. And like I said, you have to be able to be open to other people's ideas, but not too much to where your vision is lost. Cause at the end of the day, as the director, the writer, the showrunner, it's your name on it. And it has to be something that you're proud of too, so. That's a fact. What about as a writer? Writer, like, I feel like, like I said, the hard part is releasing, um, control you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. and that's I, that's why I want to become a showrunner is because I don't have <laughs> control if I'm the showrunner um like most people like writers they sell their script and then they don't have they have like for 
for movies. When you sell your script for a movie, like, boom, your, your control is, like, gone. Like, they can do, depending on what your contract says, like, they can do what mm-hmm. it is that they want to do. And it can be something that completely different from what you originally envisioned it to be. I hate mm-hmm. losing control like that, um, which is why I kind of, like, came over to the television side because writers have more say. So directors on TV shows, if you don't know, like, people don't know, they change every episode. Like, you don't mm-hmm. have the yeah every episode but the writers stay consistent like the writers are the ones creating the world the writers are the ones who have control like even on danger force like when we're on when they're on set like the writers and the showrunners they come down they sit in the director's chairs and they watch the scene go and make sure it's what they what it is that they want you know um Mm -hmm. and the director is just there to direct you know and then they leave they're not the ones building the character development they're not the ones like seeing the, the story through the whole season so Mm-hmm. yeah that would be difficult and that's what another question I was thinking of when you were talking was like so with like the writer and director relationship again if you're not the director I want like how difficult is it to trust somebody to execute what you've written properly um, and that's really at all levels. I mean, like, and I'm coming at it from a writer's standpoint, and I would love to develop into those other roles as well. But like, from a writer's perspective, it's like, okay, this is it. And then you have to like build your team up if you don't do all those other things on your own. But I feel like sometimes like a writer can not necessarily, not that directing is easy, but it's like you can more easily go into a directing role and a write as a writer because you know exactly what you said. So, you know, you know exactly what you wrote and how you wanted it to look. And that's, to me, that's like super, that would be a super important transition for me as a writer. Like that's something that I would love to like go into as well as directing so that we can get what it is that I wrote out and we can get it depicted. I think John Singleton said I became a director to make sure what I wrote came out right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he was like, I didn't always want to be a director. He was like, I wanted to write, but I became a write, a director so that I can make sure that my stuff was out here correct, like exactly as I wrote it. So he was like, so I developed into that role not because I wanted to, but because I had to, to make sure that my stories uh, kept the integrity that I wrote them with. Yeah. Um, I think what's like outside of like collaborating with everyone for the director is being able to connect with your actors and be able to pull the emotions out of them that's needed for the performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot, like I said, directing is a lot of like communication and a lot of being able to, Um, relate to people and like help them understand what it is that you want to see you have to be able to communicate what's in your head to other people for it to become a thing you know what I'm saying Um, and so I feel like yes it's easy for a writer not necessarily easy but it it makes sense for a writer to want to direct their own work but I remember um, when I was in film school they wouldn't allow us um, for certain classes like it would be like the writer and the director can't be the same person because then they're too attached to it to hear everybody else's ideas. You know what I'm saying? And it's harder when it's your work to communicate to other people what it is that you want to see or be willing to budge. Whereas somebody outside 
the director coming in and, and ingesting your work and being able to interpret it. You know what I'm saying? And that also just is a, um, a an example of like how good of a, a writer you are if people are able to interpret what it is that you wanted just from reading it, you know, because you can't control how people interpret your art. You know what I'm saying? You can just put it out there. But if you are able to put your work out there and people interpret it in the way that you were meant to, then you did something right. Are you looking for positive music that's guaranteed to improve your attitude? Follow McKissick Health on Spotify and get access to the best playlists for positive thinking. New playlists are available every month with over two hours of free music. We match each playlist to an issue of One Choice Magazine so you can listen while you read the latest issue. Head over to onechoicemag.com to subscribe and follow McKissick Health on Spotify. So, mm -hmm. no, that's real. And I think that that's a really good charge too, whether you want to do directing or not. You know what I mean? I think that's just a good charge uh, to write something that someone could easily translate your words into something in the physical via directing or whatever, acting, whichever form. Um, and I think that that's why it's important to build the team, not just the people who can direct, not just the people who can produce or show run, but it's important to um, build a team of people who understand your vision so that they can execute it even when you can't. So um, I know you have experience building the team out. What, how was that process in, in building a team? Because as a showrunner, you got to understand what the hell is going on for every single person in the chain. So how was that? Um, how was that? Because to me, that has to be difficult because you built the writer's room, which I was a part of happily. Um, I, and uh, we had some other guests from that experience and hopefully we'll continue to have more people. I want to bring the whole writer's room if I can onto the uh, podcast but like um, that was an amazing room and it was largely part because you set the tone in that writer's room I felt like everybody was very respectful almost respectful to a fault we didn't want to give people notes and then you were like y'all we have to give people notes because they need it and like because <laughs> we need to know what's going on, it's okay to say, you know, whatever. And then it, it literally, but it was like a couple of weeks where we were like, amazing work, great, great, great. And it really was, but then it was just like, now we have to dig deeper. And um, I was talking to, uh, <laughs> to Drew and saying like how I really appreciated his role that he played in there because like him speak, him like, he's a person that doesn't speak a lot anyway like he speaks when he speaks you listen you know in a good way you know not like you won't listen to me but in a good way you really do want to listen and you want to hear what he has to say and I think that his role in that room is that he knew pretty much everybody already as did you so like coming into it it wasn't like he was like okay I'm gonna give you these notes though like you know he wasn't afraid to say what the uh correction should be so like in building that team though, how difficult or easy was that for you when you were doing the interviews for people? Because I'm sure it was people that didn't didn't make that process either. Um, so how did you decide? Yeah, so um, just for as far as like building a team, especially like when you're starting off early, it's 
good to do, like you said, with people who share your vision or know your vision and want to help you bring that alive. Um, and it's funny that you bring up Drew because I was going to bring him up too. Like, we went to film school together, me, Drew, and Taylor. We went to film school together. Like, this has always been our dream, and we moved out here together. Like, we did this. And so it made sense to me, and it's always made sense to make art with people who I'm familiar with. And just going back to, like, being a writer and wanting your work to come out right, like, you have to choose people whose work you know. You know what I'm saying? Who you've worked with is best, but if you haven't worked with anyone yet, whose work you've seen, you know what I'm saying? You've seen what type of material they put out and this is something that could relate to what it is that you are trying to do too. They've already had that experience. And I feel like that's how it is with Drew. Like I knew um, like Drew, like, like where Drew is as far as like his writing career. And I knew that he would be a really good asset to the team. He was also my roommate. So it made it convenient mm -hmm. for me, <laughs> part of it, you know, and I was ADing. Um, on his project at the time, Moonbird. And so we, we've worked together a million times. And so we know each other. And he was in the house when I came up with the idea for um, the show. Because like, at first, I was going to have us vlog our whole like um, trip out to LA and us just living out there. So then it was going to be that. But then it was going to be a web series. And then I turned it into an hour-long pilot. Like He was there for all of those transitions. So he in that writer's room was one of the only people who knew what exactly it is I wanted the show to be. And he had my back in making sure that we stayed on task for that. Like there would be many mm -hmm. times, like you said, there were weeks where um, y'all weren't giving like any like, yeah. like constructive feedback. And every time yeah. we got off of a writer's room call, he would be in, cause we lived in the same house so we couldn't be on right. the call in the same room he'd be in his room and I'll be downstairs he would come downstairs and like okay Destiny these are my real thoughts these yeah. are my criticisms and we would just like have like sometimes an hour two hours three hours just talking about how the writer's room went where we are with the script what we're going to do moving forward how and then also Ambition was my first time not only running a writer's room but being in a writer's room um and okay. so Drew had been in writer's rooms before, so I was, like, asking him for, like, a lot of advice and, like, things that I remembered from school. The most important thing for me and how, what things I've always heard is just that if you're going to shoot down an idea, you have to come back with a solution. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? You can't just, and, and it, it's important, like you said, to create the the, the mood or like the the tone, um, mm -hmm. because there's some writers rooms that some writers feel scared to pitch ideas because they get shot down and attacked. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want that. I wanted mm -hmm. everybody to be comfortable. I wanted everybody to be heard. And that was really important for me. And so just making sure like, we were po not polite, but like we were respectful. respectful of other people's feelings and their ideas because everybody was working hard. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? If they weren't working hard, then I was having separate conversations with them on the side. Like, do you really want to do this? Because like, I'm serious about this. And if you don't want to do this, you can go. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, um, so that was that was my main thing with creating the writer's room. I just really wanted everybody to be comfortable because I didn't want it to be a nightmare. I didn't want people to have a bad experience. Um, and mm -hmm. so as far as like just, and that's that was also important to me when like picking who the writers were. Like you said, a lot of the people Drew knew or I knew, mm -hmm. um, 
for instance, like Tyreek, I went to middle school with Tyreek. Like, <laughs> so you've been known. I've been known him. So like, it was. I understood. Like, I like, and he had sent me scripts before um, that weren't related to ambition um, to read, and he wanted my feedback. So like, I knew his writing. Um, so it was easy for me to be like, hey absolutely you can be in the writer's room drew was a no-brainer because like i said i really trusted his advice i kind of had he to ask built this with him yeah like, you know like he understood the in like the inception of this project yeah and then so phil um new phil from college but also have worked on his sets before um mm -hmm. and so he wanted he was a producer but wanted to be a writer so i'm like absolutely but i also i'm very collaborative in everything that i do because i want everybody to feel heard and feel like they have a part so like Yes, I made like the final decisions of the writers in the writer's room, um, but literally, and I did all the interviews too, but literally everybody had a vote. All the producers had a vote on who was a writer and who wasn't a writer. Um, Drew came to me about some people and like heavily pitched for them. He was like, yeah, no, I know this person. Cause I mean, like we posted it on our Instagrams, you know what I'm yeah. saying? it was people who we knew or people who sent it who we knew sent it to their friends who they knew wanted to write or stuff like mm -hmm. that so it wasn't like people these people were too far removed except for some people like I didn't like I didn't know you personally and I didn't know Clarence personally you mm -hmm. know and I didn't, had never ran in the same circles you know stuff like that so it was really just like reading your work looking over the interview because we recorded the interviews you know stuff like that um, and just seeing, and it's also important to find people um, who would mesh well. And like Drew, Drew would talk about this with me and be like, okay, this is this person's strengths and this is this person's weaknesses, but this person is strong at that, but this person is weak at the same thing that person is strong at. So just having a diverse writer's mm -hmm. room and that's where all of our strengths and weaknesses helped each other. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So that was also a part of the decision process. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it because I was just like, was I the only one you ain't know? Like, <laughs> no. But I will say that it was like really good alignment as far as that's concerned for me because it just worked out. I had been following Phil because like I've seen some uh some people were like, Hey, you should follow this guy. He's from Michigan and he's like basically doing what you would like to do. And I was mm -hmm. like, Okay. So I followed him and you know, just made sure that I kept like a a good report he posted something or support his endeavors that he um put up there and like it just kind of grew from there then i saw this and i was like this is it this is what you gotta do sis you gotta do it and then i already had like something that was more on the dramatic side so i was like okay and i worked that to somewhat of a sample <laughs> that i can send in so um i was just really happy and i think that that I think that that writer's room uh, was very transformative for everybody that was a part of it because it was people that were doing it for the first time. That was my first ever writer's room situation where I had to be collaborative and um, it was just very welcome and I very much so felt like even regardless of my experience, you know, but again, I didn't know that everybody was new. So I, you know, like, to a writer's room situation. I think that that's the beauty too, because we all brought our best foot and put them forward, but we had an environment that was conducive to that. Like there was never a situation where um, it just felt like, wow, I'm a piece of trash and I should not be in here. Like, 
you know, you have the imposter syndrome that's going to sometimes be there. You know, hopefully it goes away, but it really wasn't that bad. Like you were in the situation and you didn't feel crazy. Um, and if, even if it wasn't right, you knew that you what you were getting was going to foster you to create it right. You know what I mean? And get it together and do the best that you possibly can. So thank you for the writer's room. You did you did what needed to be done as far as the writer's room is concerned. Uh, <laughs> uh, I had a couple more questions. So what has been the most like, like the best set situation you've been in and what were not maybe not a specific one because I want nobody to feel targeted if they listen it but what are like elements of not a great set so elements of like the greatest set that you've probably been a part of in production wise that you've been a part of and then what has been like present on the not so good parts yeah. as you're creating because like because understanding these two things is how you create your lane and how you create the opposite of the bad or how you create um hopefully what will be a good set for your own endeavors so how did you so what are those parts what do they look like absolutely um, and like you like I like I said like I definitely base like my um, my interactions, my writer's room, my sets based off of what I found has worked well and what I see doesn't. Um, some things of a good set or like just a good crew in general, it's like positive attitudes, always being down and willing to help. Um, no, like being understanding, um, but also being efficient. Um, I found that people hate to feel like their time is being wasted. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Um, being on set, you'd be there for hours and hours and hours. You know what I'm saying? Like you're there all day. And so you want to feel like things are being accomplished. Um, and that pre-production is so important. You have to plan, 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 plan. Even though day of on set, everything is not going to go correct. But the more that you plan, the less, the smaller the the things that go wrong are. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that is very important. You just have to like, uh, you can tell um, a well-run set when it's been planned accordingly um, and it follows the schedule. Also having people who want to be there. If you have people on your crew that aren't really fully invested in your dream or your idea, um, it's going to show, you know what I'm saying? They're not going to be as focused. They're not going to be as driven. They're not going to be as passionate and um, it's going to be harder to work with them, um, you know, because they don't have the same passion that you do. And so I felt like that's very important. People being able to relate to my material to be on my set, you know what I'm saying? If they don't relate, they don't care as much, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, their name is on it. But like, if we hire some random sound guy who doesn't really care about our story, like, is he going to give us the best quality as possible? You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just people wanting to be there, being organized, feeding people. It's important because people get hangry. Don't That's true. Hungry. Especially also, people people get headaches, all that kind of stuff. Like it's all <laughs> it can get out of hand. Yeah. Um just thinking of head thinking ahead and whenever you plan accordingly, you're bound to have this and just having 
good people on your crew because if you got people with attitudes, people with anger issues, like people butting heads, like that can make for a really bad time on set. Mm-hmm. Um, things I've seen on a bad set, um, rushing your your crew. You know what I'm saying? You don't make good work when you're like rushing. You know what I'm saying? Because you miss mm-hmm. things, mess up on things. Um, not being understanding, not listening. Um, if somebody has a grievance, even if they aren't right, still hearing them out. And then, because uh, I find like people get angry when you put your foot down. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like at the end of the day, I'm the director, I'm the showrunner. Like this is what I want. This is what's gonna happen. This is what we've planned. We're not changing it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And some people can't take that and can't take constructive criticism. So just being, you also have to learn how to communicate with different people. Um, yeah. The director, just like the showrunner, they set the tone on set. Um, so does if the producers are there, they can set they set the tone as well. So just having a positive vibe, being open and listening to people. But yeah, rushing people, yelling at people, it never really works out. You being flustered. If you're the person in charge, and you're flustered, everybody else is going to be flustered too. We worked on mm-hmm. a set together, Brie, and that person was flustered. And it just made us all flustered. And that person was flustered. Yes. The other person was flustered. So because they were flustered, he was flustered. It passed down. passed down. It made for a not-so-great experience, right? Like, mm-hmm. have to remain calm in, in times of, like, situ- like, bad situations. You have to, like, if something happens, you got to remain calm because everybody's looking at you. What is he gonna mm-hmm. do? What is she gonna do? Like, how are they gonna react? Oh, they they reacted badly. Oh, I don't care anymore. Like, you just have to. Mm-hmm. Like, that's I think that's like the main thing is having a positive attitude on set. Get your sleep the night before if you can. Eat something. Bring your snacks. Be as prepared as possible. You know what I'm saying? Like, even as like a production assistant, what I've noticed is like, especially from that situation where we were working on. Since then, that was like one of my first situations where I was like super working and it was like yeah this is a real capacity you're a production assistant now from that what I took was like be prepared have band-aids random stuff in your get a fanny pack got a fanny pack after that are important yeah. production assistants you're a production yeah. assistant and you don't got a fanny pack you missing out on life because Listen, right there okay it's so much stuff it's like a purse who has time to hold a purse a fanny pack is already on or like a crossbody or something it's already mm-hmm. on you're moving all over the place and a lot of the times you're squeezing in as it is to get in there and do something and help fix something or whatever have a, an array of random things in your fanny pack like because of the flood because of how flustered and how many times we had to leave that set to go get little things that if you had had them or if there had been planned like again like you said pre-production certain things were a big fluster because there was not enough pre-planning on that you know on certain things so it's just like so the pre-planning staying prepared, having all these like random things for sure made for a good production. (laughs) And it's like, at the end of the day, hopefully you're going to get what you need to get done. But it's just like the way that you go about it can really impact the experience for the talent, the everybody behind the scenes, like how we go about executing it and go towards it is going to be the the thing that makes the difference. Because at the end of the day, you're going to get what you want, hopefully. But like, the way you go about it is really gonna be what make it a, a good production. 
another thing I just thought about when you said that um, that makes that's important to not have a bad set. Oftentimes, I've noticed if a person on set is wearing too many hats, things fall through the cracks. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you have to be able to hire the amount of people you need on set. Like there are certain jobs on set that two people, like one person can't do because if they're doing that one thing, they can't do the other thing that they're supposed to do. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like you can't like, it's, it's common for small sets for people to wear multiple hats, but you have to make sure that those multiple hats don't collide. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you have to make sure that they, if one, if they're doing something right then that they're not supposed to be doing something else all the way over here. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So that's really, really important. Um, like you, you can't have. be script, you can't be script supervisor and the runner at the same time. You can't, you literally can't do that. <laughs> How you go script supervisor if you on a run? Like that's yeah. That, and then that shows up in the final product. You know, mm-hmm. um, it also makes it hard for that person who is doing that job because. And you also have to, you have to listen to the people who you hired to do the job. You know what I'm saying? Like, if they're telling you something and you hired them to tell you that thing, let them tell you that thing and listen to them. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's thing too. That's true. That's true. Because, and then that, that's what you said. Like, people are going to get frustrated at whatever they get frustrated at. But if you, lit- if it's literally my job and I can't do that. I'm gonna be frustrated. Yeah, why am I here? And then when something not right, you gonna be looking at me crazy. I'm like, look, I told you, I tried. And then I'm mad at you because you're mad at me because I already told you. But now, and now my name's on it, and it looks crazy. But I can't do it. It's like it's it's such a trickle effect. It's like I'm looking crazy, you looking crazy, and. I didn't been on this set for 20 hours. Not really, but you know what I mean? Like, it feel like 20 hours. It's not to be there, yeah. Yeah, and so it's just like, we didn't been here from the crack of dawn until dawn the next day, and this is insane. So, <laughs> like, who's, like, been your biggest, like, influence as a creative? And I know you said, like, now it's, like, cool because you get your Avas and you get these wonderful people that you can kind of see. You can kind of get a template. Like, who's, like, been your biggest, like, influence as a creative? Um, so, like, yeah, like you, like I said earlier, like, I, be, I wanted to become a showrunner because of, like, not, um, because of Courtney and um, Shonda, you know, mm-hmm. just relating to their work. Issa made me want to make my own show and just do it from scratch and just like kaboom. But it's just like also like I really like even though we're peers, I look up to Drew too just because mm-hmm. of like where he is and his career. And like we started at the same time. And actually, he started after me. Like I had already majored in film and I convinced him to major in film too. Mm-hmm. Um, but like how good his writing is and like how far he's going. Um, so I, I look at my peers a lot too because I'm not the type of person to like um growing up under I didn't always have like people who I aspired to be I just wanted to be me um mm-hmm. but I have people who like my peers I look at and be like checking myself like okay Destiny you're getting a little lax okay Destiny you can be doing this a little bit harder you can be doing this a little bit more because your friends are doing it so if your friends mm-hmm. are doing it then you can do it too um uh, so mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel like most of mostly I look at my peers because um they tell you you work it's better to network horizontally than vertically because people mm-hmm. who 
are with you right now are going to be coming up just as you are. Um, and so that's how you kind of like make your connections. Cause I feel like Ava and like Shonda, they seem so far, you're so far in their careers. Like to think of me there is like mm -hmm. a long path, you know, um, but whereas yeah. my friends, if it like if Drew became a writer next month, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, okay, Destiny, what can you do to be next? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's how I push myself. It's like, and that's why I surround myself with like a lot of creatives as friends because one, we can make work together, make magic together, but also they can motivate me and show me how what I'm lacking and what I can do better. So, mm -hmm. and honestly, shout out to the group chat. Y'all know who you are. Shout out to the group chat. Um, because there, it's like it's chock full of amazing and talented black people that are out here pursuing their dreams like so passionately. And so I agree, like if the people around you aren't inspiring you, you yeah. might be in the wrong place. Like you might be in the wrong place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it, and I and I, what I love about the friend group is that everybody is like at different areas but like we see each other on a horizontal scale you know what i'm saying like we see each other as people and we're meeting and connecting as people having fun and all those different things and then it's just like wow we could actually link together we could work together we could we could you know and so it's like and and, and do <laughs> yeah. so it's really it, it's magical i think that that is but i told drew this i'm gonna tell you this both of y'all, Phil, you know, all of y'all, I really look up to you guys and um, really just revere you guys as creatives, as artists, as people, as friends, because y'all are just so dope. And I'm just really happy. I don't know what I did, honey, to get in the right, to get in the, the, the Voltron or whatever they call it, to get in this way. But I'm here, okay? And ain't gonna go nowhere. <laughs> Because no, you y'all really do inspire me, and y'all, and like, and Taylor, like, all of y'all, like, everybody is so talented and just so amazing, and but really good people, though. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like, okay, it's like we want to keep this energy, and I think that that's something that makes uh being out here so like okay. You know what I'm saying? Because you hear about the people, you hear about the snakes in the grass, and nah, 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 nah. But you have really good people around you and they're talented and they're all, everybody's pushing. Nobody is really stagnant. And even if you do in this group, it's somebody that's going to pull you along on the journey. Even if it's like, hey, could you PA for me real quick? Bet. Um, like, even like uh, Drew was even talking about Alex, like how she, she was like, look, I just want to help with your project. I just want to be a part. If I got to hold the sound. Everybody don't want to hold that. I'll be looking at that people that boom, that boom. I'll be like, I don't know if my ah, strength there. I just, I boom because I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be over here, and that joint gonna be like <laughs> <laughs> all up in the camera, and I'll be like, how do you like, like we we recently were on a production, like how that lady did not get that boom in them shots. I was like, girl, I admire you because I'm going to tell you what. Like, she yes, like, you be, listen, if you're the sound person, give yourself some claps. If you've ever been the sound person, if you are a sound person, give yourself some claps because you climbing on the ceiling so that whatever you need to be. And if you're in a difficult location where it's multiple mirrors, 
God bless you. Okay. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> you on the floor. <laughs> you wherever you can get us good, wherever we cannot see you, but we can still hear you, and it's crazy. But he was even saying, like Drew said, like I think on on Moonbird that you know that's where she was at. She was yeah. like she was she was like whatever I can do. He was, she was like I don't. He's like I didn't have anything else, you know. He's like she was like I'll do that. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that everybody here, first of all, we appreciate each other as people. And so when you appreciate people as people, when they have a project, you want to, you have a certain amount of integrity. you like, okay, yeah, I want my name to be good, but I care about this person and this is their thing. And I care about this person's stuff being executed properly. And I want to support them however I can. And that's usually how most of the uh, PA jobs that I've had have been for or through people I know. So I was like, I don't want you looking crazy for bringing me on to a project as a PA. I take pride in that, but also I don't want me looking crazy because I want to have the opportunity to do it again um, if it comes up. And so um, that's how I try to approach it, you know? So it's like you're your best advertisement, I guess. Like, you know, I don't want you to be like, okay, I got a whole list, but this person is going to F up. So I'm going to just go to another person. Because you know, too, you wouldn't want to bring anybody crazy on no set either so but I, I love I love the group chat again shout out to the group chat we named a couple people but certainly not all it's a oh, big group okay. chat. Uh, but yeah shout out to the group chat and also so my next question was do you inspire yourself because I feel like a lot of the time people have that imposter syndrome and we're working on it but it's like do you in, but sometimes you do have to inspire yourself so it's like so that you can have like a certain Sometimes so that you can have a certain like, okay. And I think, yeah, I think a certain appreciation of your work. Cause it's like, I, I think we're our own biggest critics at times, especially in the creative realm, but it's important to take us Like when you step, take a step back, do you inspire yourself? I, I definitely do think that I suffer from imposter syndrome a lot. Um, and so much so sometimes that my fear or think me thinking that I'm not good enough prevents me from creating at all. Um, mm-hmm. Like right now there's this um, rom-com I'm working on, but I have not touched it. And like, I just, I'm supposed to be sending somebody the outline. And I'm just like, ah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think what helps with that um, is like, I just did not expect the overwhelming response I got from ambition. You know, mm-hmm. um, I was not expecting for people to connect that much with it or be as passionate, like seeing people as passionate about my work mm-hmm. as I am is inspiring. Cause like, maybe I actually am talented. I don't know, I'll be feeling mm-hmm. like I'm not. But then I'll be like, maybe I actually am. And so then I, sometimes I do have to like, go back and look at my work or go back and read my work or go back or talk to some friends, you know, and be like, no, like I'm actually doing this. No, I'm actually, you know, I'm not, I may not be the best, but I am good, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and pushing myself, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that voice in the back of my head and be like, yeah, no, you don't know what you're doing. You're trash. Like you're not even good for real. People just say that because you're free. They're your friends. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's hard, uh, but when I see that I inspire others, then it makes me believe in myself a little bit more. Yeah, well, honey, hopefully you feel it with me because you truly inspire me. And honestly, I think that even saying like I'm not the best, 
I feel like you are the best when you are always striving towards being the best. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, okay, I might, but the point is I'm going to still stay with it. I'm going to stand beside it and I'm going to figure it out. Like, you know, I feel like that, that kind of mentality and that type of grit makes you the best automatically in my mind, because it's like, you're trying, you're pushing towards it. You're not just sitting on um, it being one way and being like, oh, I can't ever be anything more than that. I think that this was a good conversation. I really appreciate you, Destiny. Please tell me where I can tell other people <laughs> where to follow you, how we can support you. You guys, I'm wearing some good merch from a product, honey. I'll be trying to do the continuity. Okay, the project <laughs> that I worked with and met uh, Destiny on. Uh, if you want to talk about that, you can, uh, but let us know different projects you're working on, where we can follow you, where we can support you, how, all those things. Yeah, so um, you guys can follow me on social media. I'm the same on all social media platforms at little, L-I-T-T-L-E underscore bird, B-I-R-D underscore underscore Instagram, Twitter, my name on Facebook, Destiny Cole. I also have um, a production page that I'm failing to keep active, but I'm trying to work on it a little bit more. Um, Little Bird Production at Little Bird Productions on Instagram and Twitter. Um, so yeah, that you can follow me there. Also, like Rihanna showed you guys the beautiful T-shirt. Um, I'm working on um, producing and writing and show running um, a pilot um, show called Ambition. Um, Follow us on Instagram, Ambition the Series, um, to stay tuned on that. We're going to be starting back production at the top of the year, so I'm really excited about that. Like I said, I'm also working on a rom-com short that is to be D, also a psych thriller. I kind of just, you know, very broad range, do it all. Um, so, yeah, stay yes. tuned. Yes, I'm so excited. You guys, make sure that you follow her. She is certainly a person to follow. She's beautiful, smart, and talented. So either way, you are in for a good follow. You're not going to regret the follow. So however <laughs> you flip it, you're not going to regret it. And Destiny, thank you so, so, so much for sharing your experiences, sharing the gems along the way that you've learned. And thank you so much, Free, for having me. I love you. I'm glad that I did this podcast finally. As always, subscribe and leave a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. Be sure to share it with a creative person to encourage them on their journey and tag the newsroom at One Choice Mag Newsroom on Facebook and Instagram. It's only up from here.